So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello, and welcome to 90 Day Fiance Okay. I'm Mr. O, and today, Miss H and I will be discussing Season 9, Episode 11 of 90 Day Fiance. In this episode, Leandro shows back up to get Benny's jealousy working, Kobe makes Emily feel bad by following through with a ring, Muhammad has a deal-breaker about kids, Guillermo gets some tragic news, Jabri's whole family gangs up by Miona, and Shida has something that she wants to add to the prenup. As always, we'll end with our Students of the Week, Class Dunces, and Life Lessons. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and subscribe. All right, thanks for listening. Stay safe and enjoy. Hello, Mr. O. Hello, Miss H. How are you? I'm not bad. I finally got to summer now. Yes. I'm <laughs> finally there. And uh, we're recording a little bit late again because, you know, summer means travel time. Yeah, travel time, which and I was flying Frontier, and so I couldn't bring anything with me, nothing extra. So I had no way to take notes. I had no way to actually record. So I apologize. I had to watch this morning. Yeah. So, oh, it's fresh in our minds because I took that opportunity to watch last night. (laughs) I was like, well, I don't have to record until Tuesday. I'll just well, watch it Well, I was actually excited because, you know, I completely forgot that Seeking Sister Wives started. And so I have to catch up on that. Oh. And uh, I saw, because I happened to be watching WeTV, like, in real time in the hotel. And uh, it looks like uh, Love After Lockup is coming back the very end of the last Friday of July. I think it's July 29th, I want to say. Oh, well, that's the least convenient time for it to come back. Fantastic. I we're I think we're both out of town that week. And uh... <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I get back. Well, we'll probably have to do two in one, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But that is a uh, future Mr. O and Miss H's problem. Right. Uh, present day Mr. O and Miss H have to cover this group. So let's go ahead and get started off. Oh, I don't want to start off on a sad note, but it was also pretty brief. Uh, Let's talk Karen Guillermo. So the reason why it's sad is because Guillermo is upset because he found out his brother is in the hospital with renal failure. He had been going through dialysis for a year, but it looked like things took a turn for the worse. And they were worried that he wasn't going to make it. Uh, Guillermo feels helpless because he cannot go back there to be there for his family. And he also mentions that they seem all kind of spread out because, as you recall, Guillermo is actually from Argentina. And uh, Venezuela. Venezuela, sorry. Oh, gosh, I'm thinking Love in Paradise, I think. Or maybe Leandro. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and his uh, brothers were all living in the Dominican. So uh, talking about it makes both him and Kara cry. Uh, so Guillermo was very close to his brother. So he says his death would be one of the worst things. And Kara does her very best to try and comfort him. But literally the next day, they get a call in the morning saying that his brother passed away. Kara says that his brother wouldn't want him to be sad. And Guillermo remembers him as someone who wanted everyone to be happy. Guillermo says that his brother was very supportive of him marrying Kara, even though Guillermo is very young. And so he's feeling like this was the right move for him, even though he can't get back to his family right now. So I don't, I don't know. There's I don't know if there's really much to discuss with them. It was just incredibly heartbreaking and sad. Right. Just yeah, just sad. Like and yeah, it's it's tough. It's not anything I've ever gone through anything like that. And mm-hmm. like, you know, just the idea that you can't go back. 
Like yeah. you can't go to the funeral or anything like that. That's that's hard. Like that's really hard. And I don't know if it's I don't think it's a US issue, you know, because I'm pretty I'm pretty sure you get exceptions for like a death in the immediate family if you need to go back for on mm-hmm. the K1. But like in this case, remember he had the my passport was expired and I'm not even gonna right. roll let me in thing. I think it has more to do with that than it has to do with like the policy of the American visa. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. So yeah, that just makes it extra difficult because yeah, it does seem like they would make exceptions for family emergencies and things like that. Yeah. And but like you said, not much that not much this. I don't want I'm not gonna sit here and, you know, judge anybody based on how they react to this or how their partners do. I mean, if she was as supportive as you can be. Right. Um, but it's just one of those things. There's no amount of supportive that's enough at that time. It's it's just so terrible. Yeah, it was like I kind of took note of the fact that she said she would want your brother would want you to be happy or, you know, he wouldn't want you to be sad. And I was like, oh, is that the best thing to say? But then Guillermo basically said the same thing about his brother. So I think it it was nice that Kara got to know his brother uh, mm-hmm. before. And uh, yeah, so condolences. I mean, yeah, it's one of those things too. I get I get that attitude because I'm like, if I'm gone, I'm like, well, don't be sad. That's not going to bring me back. Like just right. chill. But it's like, but it's one of those things where like, sorry, you don't get to decide that. I'm sad. <laughs> like, Yeah. And that's, and that's why it kind of struck me was just like, well, you know, telling someone not to be sad when something devastating happened to them, I don't know is the right thing to say. Mm-hmm. Right. So then it did make me feel a little bit better that Guillermo was like, he would have wanted, you know, everyone to be happy. So it's like, sure. oh, okay. Okay, sure. so she did know him, and this came from a place of knowing him instead of a get over it, move on. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's just move on to people we can judge. <laughs> sure. um, let's start with Jabri and Miona. So uh, Jabri's grandma Cheyenne is over for dinner, and Mahala was trying to warn her before dinner starts that they're going to have to talk with Miona about their concerns about the wedding and her future with Jabri. Um, pretty soon <sighs> – Jabri and Miona show up again in matching outfits um, to greet everyone. Miona doesn't know uh, what has changed. She's like talking in the interview. She doesn't know what's changed about Jabri because he was always like amenable and fun and like, you know, take, trying to take care of her before she got here. And now it's just like she feels like her family, his family is like kind of standing in the way of that. So, eh, so as they eat their burgers, everyone like kind of sits around awkwardly like, not looking at each other and making these big sighs like, <sighs> okay, here we go. Um, anyway, so Mahala says they have concerns and um, don't understand why Jabri is going along with this marriage thing if he's doubtful about it. You know, Cheyenne chimes in and talks about how she feels like this relationship is more stress and no joy. And – you know, then they kind of get talking to, well, this is moving really fast. And she asks me, Mahala does, what they would do, like, what if you didn't get married in these 90 days? What would ha- happen now? And Jabri is like, she would leave me. And Miona's like, yeah, I would probably leave him. <laughs> so <laughs> Brian is confused, though, because it doesn't sound like you're really in it for the long haul and you're not committed if that's the case. But then, you know, Miona's like, eh, who's the one that's breaking a commitment here if we don't get married? All um, right. So, of course – Brian and Mahala are on Team Jabri, and Jabri brings up her demand for a beach wedding, 
And then things accelerate and he just starts like listing off everything that's driving him nuts about her. Like, da, 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 da. And Mahala stops him. It was like, eh, this is not going to help. So she kind of, you know, says before it's really bad. And then like nothing really gets resolved at this point. They just kind of all like go, huh, huh, huh. I guess this is where we'll have to leave it tonight. And everybody was like all sad. Yeah. All right. So what do you, what do you say here? You want uh, Team Jabri or Team Miona? Uh, Team Yona this week because, you know, it's incredibly frustrating and I get where she's coming from. Like, you know, the whole all and he is not the only one, but it's still frustrating. We say this all the time. The 90 days isn't to decide if you want to get (laughs) married. It's not the trial run or anything like that. You should have already been prepared to marry this person before you have the visa. And so these people that aren't ready or aren't prepared and like this isn't enough time to decide or this isn't enough time, you know, for us to get to know each other. Those, all those excuses are just incredibly frustrating to me. When he proposed, when he asked her to give up her life to come over here, he should be, honestly, they should all be prepared to be married as soon as, as, soon they, as they land. get here. Yep. Yeah. Yep. This is, you know, not the time to get to know if, oh, you know, trial by error, like, oh, let me see if living with this person is really, you know, g- going to work out for us. Yeah, it's one of those things where you got to get used to each other and you got to learn each other and that's fine. But to make your decision whether or not this is going to be your partner dependent on what you learn is like, that's not the purpose of this. No, no. And it was like, and you know, I was watching this with my partner and she was like, she made a good point saying like, look, she never said, she should have said to them, I gave up my entire life to right. come here. That was me making the commitment. And then yeah. once I got here, he's going to be like, oh, gee, I don't know. Maybe we should just keep dating and not get married and you can move back. Like, no, you don't. That That's not an option here. Right. Like, if you want to break up, we'll break up. If you want to stay together and get married, we'll do that. But it's not an option that we can go back to where we were before because I that 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 ship has already sailed. That horse has already left the barn. Like it's right. done. That part's over. Yeah. The other part that I very much feel for Miona is it must be incredibly frustrating to have Jabri all of a sudden get bold enough to and brave enough to tell her all these things just because he's got his parents' backup. Yeah. So she even says at one point, like, you know, you shouldn't be involving your family in this. You should be able, we should be talking about it, you know, ourselves. Now, I kind of agree with a little half and half. Like, I think it's perfectly healthy and normal for you to discuss the situations with outside parties. Um, so for him to seek advice from his parents is perfectly fine. Sure. But to actively get them involved where it's almost intervention style, that's not fair to her. Oh, no. And he was doing stuff that's better left off at like a couple's therapy session where the third mm-hmm. person is not clearly on one of your teams. Right. Right. And and they make pains to not be take sides and be on a team or whatever, but help you mm-hmm. like work through it. Because, yeah, to bring it up in front of your family, it's like, of course, they're going to agree with you. You could literally say anything and they're going to be like, well, you know, Jabri, blah, blah, blah. It just – and I guess the most frustrating part about Jabri is how he is such a pushover. Mm-hmm. And when his family wasn't around in his ear, and she's right, when his family wasn't around in his ear, he was all in. And David wasn't in his ear. He was like, great, this is fantastic. We're the, you know, power couple, dressing alike, blah, blah, blah. And then as soon as people go, I don't know, he's like, ooh, you don't know? Maybe I don't know either, right? It's That's yeah. super frustrating. 
Yeah, it's interesting, like, their whole thing, because if I were to identify, you know, who do I think of this season would not make it. And I mean, like, and I don't know if we've really ever had anyone that hasn't made it, right? At least made it to the wedding. Yes, I know. I think everybody at least makes it to the wedding, because I think... Like, ultimately, what happens with every single couple, even if they have deep-seated doubts about, you know, the future of their relationship, is every single partner always says, like, well, we'll get married, and then if it doesn't work out, we just get divorced. That'll fix it, yeah. Maybe maybe, maybe the marriage itself will just, it'll just make all these problems go away. Like, Right, right. But we're really closing the door by not marrying this person. Which doesn't do, which doesn't do it unless the problem is... You know, why haven't we gotten married yet? I really want to be married. I think we should be married. We've been together for so long. Like that can be solved by marriage. But other than that, deep-seated problems aren't solved by getting married. Yeah, yeah. But I would kind of identify them as ones that are just like, wow, all of them are not really talking about like, oh, we wouldn't get married. Well, I guess maybe. I take that back. We got a bunch of couples this there's season. There's a lot of there's a lot there's a lot of we might not get married on this one that's more likely than some of the other ones, especially since we haven't seen very much wedding planning at mm-hmm. all, right? Well, I would say that this is the only couple that is like, "Oh, we might not get married, let's go back to dating." Yes. Well, that's and that which I think is dumb. Like yeah. if you break off an engagement, I think that's dumb. If you break off an engagement, you're done. You've broken up. Like, right. you can't, it, 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 you don't go back to dating. Um, at least maybe not immediately. Um, yeah. It's definitely a tough one to go back from. Well, let's talk about another uh, couple. In fact, I probably would vote this the most likely not to get married based on especially this week's episode. And that's Eve and Mohammed. Yeah. So Eve and Mohammed are heading to the gym to release some stress. Eve asks Mohammed if she's allowed to wear her tank top, you know, and if that's okay. And he says, okay. But in reality, he feels like it's too revealing, but he also is just done fighting with her. Eve says that they need to plan the wedding, even though they have been frustrated with one another lately. She then decides to bring up having kids. And Eve thinks that Mohammed is a great stepfather to Theron. So she wants to talk about having children of their own. Mohammed says in the interview that he would like to have a child with her, God willing, but he then tells Eve he wants to take his child to the mosque and teach them his religion. Mohammed says that she can't confuse their child and he will bring up the child Muslim, even though it will be up to them to choose as an adult. Mohammed thinks that Eve was brought up with too much freedom and doesn't think that that will be good for a future child. He then tells her he would rather not have a child at all if they are not raised Muslim. All right. So uh, do you think Muhammad wants to have a child or not? Because we definitely got some conflicting things where the interview was saying like, yes, I would love to have a child if God will allow me. So I know that they are considering the fact that Eve is a little bit older and that Mm -hmm. it might not be so easy for her to have a child. And so I thought it was pretty healthy, like, oh, we'll be happy either way kind of situation. Right. I would want to have it. But then Muhammad, what he says to her face is like, no, like I am actually very concerned about this whole religious thing. And if we don't raise the child religious, then I'd rather not have a child at all. Yeah, I'm very confused about Muhammad in general mm-hmm. because he very he seems very much indifferent to everything in the relationship. Like he's willing to give it all up at the drop of a hat. 
no yeah. compromise. I get what I want or I'm back to Egypt. I don't care. Like right. this relationship does not mean that much to me. Yeah. And I also don't understand if he has so little respect for Eve, mm-hmm. right? And he has very little respect for Eve, like in terms of like her morality and things like that. Sure. Why is he with her? Like, I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense to me. It does seem very confusing. It seems like he could have found a Muslim woman back in Egypt and it just would have been better all around. It's not like he wants to live a, you know, a a non-religious lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So I don't understand why he was so okay with dating someone outside of his religion and culture. Right. I don't don't know. I mean, it just seems like he's okay with, and that's kind of the bothers me about the role he thinks she should take. Whatever, it's just some woman that's taking care of me. Who cares if she's a philanderer or, you know, is too exposed? As long as it doesn't reflect badly on me, then she can be raised too permissive and raised too liberal. But my my son, right? My my child. And also, by the way, did you notice that? He immediately was like, let's have a kid together. And he was like, my son will blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> right? And just, yeah. It just, so I just don't think. And but that now now that's something he's going to be he, care about. I just don't think, and I don't know if if she sees it like that. If she sees it that way as as his thing and the way he's, you know, manifesting his culture through himself is just mm-hmm. a profound lack of respect for her. Yeah, I would definitely vote this couple not most likely to not make it. I, they should not make it. I hope they don't. Honestly, they they should not be together. Right. I mean, it doesn't even seem like they super are into each other anyway. I mean, okay, one thing when you're talking about your partner when they're not there, right, and you're introducing them and, like, saying how much love there is, I do think there is an element of PDA being against his culture. Oh, sure, You know, and Mm -hmm. so – but they they both, like, especially her, she just – they don't seem – Like, they like each other all that much. It's like, he'll say stuff, and then they get her reaction, and she's always giving this, like, confused or, like, kind of, like, annoyed or disgusted look. Like, what? No, what? No. I mean, this is, is again, with the 90-day thing. Clearly something that should have come up long ago. Like, and that's – I'm actually giving it to him. They saying – if I have a child, I want to raise it Muslim. And if I can't raise it Muslim, I don't want to have a child. Yeah. I'm actually kind of okay with that. I'm okay with that too because it's like you understand that that's going to cause so much future conflict. So you'd rather yeah. just not have that conflict in your relationship at all. Right. And so, yeah, but that's a deal breaker. And that's fine. People are allowed to have their deal breakers. But she should have known about that a long time ago. Right. Right. And it's, it's kind of weird that that would come up now. Or – I think more likely is she doesn't – they don't communicate well enough or haven't communicated well enough to know by to what extent he means these things. Yes. Right? Because this one, the way he did it, the way he talked about this was, oh, no, I'm going to raise my child that's not like you. Like if it ends up like – if my child ended up like you, that would be a freaking disaster. Right? Well, I also feel like he really does a lot of things to contradict himself, which confuses her. So mm-hmm. she – I think she is starting to understand, like, what are his boundaries. But then it's like he'll do something outside of those boundaries. And I understand that she's confused, like the whole, like, bikini thing. 
It's mm-hmm. like, okay, you say you're anti-bikinis or me being, uh, you know, someone who wears like revealing clothes, but let's also think about how we met. You were attracted to a bikini picture. So you obviously right. were okay with it. So I think it's confusing to her because she thinks that he is probably a very liberal Muslim, but he really isn't. He really is not. No. no. And he, he suffers from that same kind of, let's say delusion is the wrong word, misconception that I see from a lot of like evangelicals um, mm-hmm. in this country too, is the idea that they're so into their religion. They're such strong believers in it. They kind of just believe anybody who doesn't believe just hasn't been properly exposed. And once they mm-hmm. get properly exposed, they have no choice. Of course, this is the way. This is the truth. Like so, they would be, they would do that. So the idea of it, he would raise his kid Muslim, and have his kid as an adult kind of reject Islam and become more of a secular type person. That's just that doesn't make sense to him. And it doesn't yeah. make sense to him that she won't convert once he finally finds the way to introduce Islam to her. Yes, I definitely get that impression that it's like, oh, you'll all see the truth and it will be Mm -hmm. so evident and you couldn't help but follow. Right. right. Yeah. All right. So moving along, let's go to Bilal and Shida. So they're still in Atlanta and it's actually the same night when Bilal popped up the uh, prenup into the conversation on the Ferris wheel. Um, So she needs some time to be alone be and rest and kind of process everything. So Bilal goes down to talk to his sister who is busy designing Shida's wedding wedding dress. So when he kind of explains what happened, even she knows that, uh, bro, that was not the right time to bring that up. (laughs) So meanwhile, Shida is FaceTiming with her sisters and we kind of get a back and forth between, you know, Bilal's conversation with his sister, Shida's conversation with her sisters. So uh, they really don't think that seem to think too highly of Bilal when they get introduced. They're like, oh, he just wanted to bring some Caribbean person and you know give them what they want, and then just follow him around. So, you know, and, and and they think he's just like belittling her. So Bilal is kind of asked what would happen if Shai doesn't sign the prenup, and then we kind of going back and forth. He's like, oh, I don't know if we could get married, and she says, I'm not sure I'm going to do it. So then one of the sisters brings up a good idea. Um, so. You know, if there's certain things he wants going into the marriage, there's also certain things that she wants going into the marriage. So she says, maybe you should put a clause in there about having kids before you're 40. So then we kind of, before he hears about it, we hear Bilal being just like, I just need assurance because everyone he's loved has left him, which seems like, I don't know, a backwards way to do it. But anyway, Mm -hmm. the next morning, it's time to head home and they're packing up their things. And Bilal can't help but to suggest that maybe fold things better. You're doing it wrong. Just No, you're anking on the zippers. Stop. Oh my God. He's trying, but he cannot stop doing it. So anyway, she brings up how she wants to have a conversation with his lawyer about, you know, adding a timeline for children to this contract that he was talking about. She explains that she has things she wants in the contract. So, you know, if that's what we're doing, we're laying out everything we want in the contract, then let's do that. So he doesn't really know how to react to that. Except he's like, it's interesting that you're doubtful about the wedding, but not doubtful about having children. So, hmm, maybe. But he really has no response. So as they ride back and walk through the airport in silence, they're both like not sure this is going to work. So uh, I guess let's go with that. We're talking about everybody else. Do you think it's going to work? I mean, I think that, yes, 
Okay. I think it, they will get married. I mean, he always talks about it as getting to the finish line, which annoys oh, me. I don't yeah. know what it is about that that annoys me. I definitely think they're going to get to the finish line. I don't think that's, um, you know, a matter of debate. Um, whether or not both of them will be happy at the same time, I think that's less likely, right? Because the, what they want when it comes to these little things are in direct conflict of one another. So mm -hmm. while it will make one person happy, it's not going to make the other person happy. So, I mean, and the, and the ways that you can compromise are very difficult too. like you either sign a prenup or you don't. Right. There is no in between to that. There is no, no in between having a kid. Right? right. Right. You either have a kid or you don't. There is no in between to that. So I don't really know what the compromise would be. Unless it was something like, you know, okay, well, Shida gets to, you know, say what's in this prenup or the compromise being, you know, uh, we can have kids, but not right now. You know, like I get to control like the timing of these things. So, I mean, I guess that would be one form of compromise, but, you know, it's going to leave someone happy at one point and another person, you know, while the other person's unhappy. Yeah. And I guess that's. That's a new, unique thing with the prenups we've seen because we've seen the prenup like drama before, right? Mm -hmm. you know, Mark and Nikki were famous for it, and and you know Pedro and Chantel had that had that janky one that somebody got off legal zoom or whatever, right? Right. And like it's always a thing, but it's always presented as here's the paper you need to sign it or nothing. Right. And there's never a back and forth about what's on the paper. Yeah. Right. And yeah. that, that's crazy, right? Because you could say, hey, I need to protect my assets. But it's like, but it's really like, no, if we get divorced, I'm not getting nothing. I'm not taking right. nothing. Sure. I'm not getting nothing out of all these years I put in. And you're just going to send me back to Trinidad with a, with a bucket. Like that's not, that's not going to happen. That's not appropriate. Right. That's not fair, right? And when we never see kind of anybody push back on the prenup, not against like, I don't want to sign it because you don't trust me. But like, well, no, what's going to be on this contract? Let's yeah. talk about that. Let's go to the details. Sure. And so I, I definitely appreciated that, that that came up. But it's like – and they go, <laughs> go back because you mentioned the finish line thing. I know exactly what bothers you about it, right? When I'm in a race, I'm running. I get to the finish line. You know what I do when I get to the finish line? Yep. I stop. Stop. I have a, take, I have a, a beer. take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get, I get the free race beer. I get whatever snacks I have. I go, I go sit down and I hold my medal and be like, yay, and take a picture of it. And then I'm done. I don't race right. anymore. I stop yeah. running because yeah, so that's not how marriage trying. works. You don't yep. stop trying once you get to the wedding. That's not the end. You have to – you get there and they're like, what's my reward? Keep running. <laughs> that's what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I, it bothers me that he kind of sees it as like a – yeah, an end goal where mm -hmm. the relationship is somehow done or at least the effort. Where it's much more of a, a mile marker. Like yes. just something you pass along the way. Through development, yeah, it never stops. Right. Yeah. He just sucks, and I mean, I feel like he knows he kind of sucks because I felt like he was trying hard to justify the whole prenup thing to his sister, uh -huh. Nefertari. You know, and it's just yes. kind of like, ah, why do you even? It's probably because you hear yourself how terrible it sounds, right? Right, and you're trying to spin it in a way like I would almost rather he just own it. Mm -hmm. And be like, yeah, I want this. I'm afraid of getting screwed over, you know. And yeah, it might screw her over, but you know, this is this is the assurance I need. Right. Yeah, maybe I don't trust her. You right. know, no, no. It's but everything he does, he has to be not just 
not just get his way, but also be seen as the morally correct person yes. and a morally uh-huh. correct one, right? And it's like and the, the, the part where he knew he shouldn't be um, nagging her or bugging her, kibitzing her about packing the clothes, right. still couldn't help but do it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like like that's, that's what he is in a nutshell. Like he can't help it. That's just who he is. Yes. He's going to be the one who tells you what to do all the time. Right, which is why he sucks. Which is why he sucks, yes. Yeah, okay. Speaking of other people that suck, let's talk about Emily and Kobe. It's been two months now, and Emily and Kobe are going mattress shopping, finally, after two Two months. months. Ridiculous. So, Kobe is more interested in testing the bed for sexual purposes, as a couple of people awkwardly look on. Kobe is so excited to get a new bed because now he can sleep with the rest of his family. Later, Kobe meets with Emily's dad and sister, to, and they're there to help him pick out a ring. Kobe knows that this is important so he can fulfill his promise to Emily. David, Emily's dad, thinks this purchase is stupid, but he also knows how Emily can be, so he's agreed to help out. Madeline, Emily's sister, has been given some direction, the direction being the bigger the better. The jeweler quotes a ring at $7,000, and Kobe is shocked and discouraged. His budget is $1,000, so the jeweler suggests that he goes total carrot, so a bunch of little diamonds kind of stuck together, rather than one big stone. Madeline seems excited about Kobe's pick, and David seems just very unenthusiastic about the whole thing. Kobe says he just wants to make Emily happy. So later, Emily and Kobe are going on a date night. Emily is thrilled because it's the most romantic thing Kobe has done since China. They both take shots of sake, and Kobe asks what's the most romantic thing that could happen to her as a server brings them complimentary champagne. Emily is about to take a big swig as she realizes there's a ring at the bottom. She rinses it off in the water as Kobe asks her to marry him. Emily says she's so happy she just wants to go home and have sex. She then says she had doubts, and now she feels bad about buying her own ring, even though she didn't mean to hurt his feelings. They get home, and Emily is excited to show off the new ring. In the middle of their celebration, Emily is just overwhelmed with guilt, and she wants to confess her actions, so she brings out the ring and just kind of hands it to him in the box. She tells him that she bought her own ring because she wanted something she liked, and the jeweler told her she could always return it. Her dad seems confused, but clearly her sister and her mom already knew about this. Kobe says that he feels like she doubted him and he refuses to even look at it. Kobe feels like she didn't trust him. And Emily offers kind of a half-ass apology as Kobe leaves the room. And Emily stacks the two rings on her finger as she, you know, sits back and admires it. Okay, do you think Emily actually felt bad about this so much that she had to, like, tell Kobe? Why is she telling Kobe? Why does she tell Kobe? I don't know. Like, I don't – it's not a solution to the problem. Like, no. I feel bad about this. So I need to make him feel bad that I did it. He didn't need to know. Just no, take it back to the store. To right. Like, that, 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 it's uh, confessing something that is like, I don't understand. Like, all it's going to do is make him feel bad. And right. he doesn't need to feel bad. And, and if yeah. he didn't find out until a year and a half or whatever when this show came out, it would be a lot less of a big sting than if you're like, oh, yeah, you remember how you just gave me that ring? I already had one for myself, sucker. Like, what? what? I'm confused. Yeah. Like, in the way she did it, she just handed him a box? Like, what are you yeah. doing? <laughs> right. It definitely seemed like it was just there for the drama. 
you yeah. know? Because it's like, how does that contribute to your life story? It doesn't. Stop yeah. that. Put it away. Yeah. And it's like, it, it just, yeah, I don't, I don't understand. I mean, if, if, if it's real, then like the idea of it, I was so overwhelmed with guilt. I had to, I had to tell him, I had to let him know. It's like, there was no, there's no good thing for him to letting him know. There's no benefit right. to him. Right. And it was, it was, it, it's really, I mean, as selfish and as jerky as it is, it's kind of not a huge deal. Like in terms of harm, why it didn't really do him any harm. Right. No. It's not like he doesn't know about harm that was done to him. And so I just, I just don't get it. So the idea, if, if it follows what she says, I was so guilty. I felt so bad. Then the only reason she showed it to him was to make herself feel better because she's selfish. <laughs> okay. Yes. And yes, she absolutely did it to make herself feel better. But it's like, I don't really understand what her end goal is because then at the very end of the scene, she's like trying on both the rings and like almost like she's comparing. Yeah. Which one? One was clearly bigger than the other one, by the way. I yes. couldn't tell which one was which. <laughs> well, I'm going to go out and say it was probably the one that he got her was bigger simply because it was the one on the bottom. So yeah, I think she probably right. had that one on her finger already and she stuck the one that she bought on top of that. Mm -hmm. Which makes sense if she went with like a big, bigger like kind of center stone right. because his was definitely very very sparkly but uh and he, and what was nice about that is uh it took a while for the camera to kind of focus on it so all you saw was just like shiny right. uh but shiny definitely, and large yeah right it looked big and shiny but you could tell once the camera was in focus that it was a lot of like smaller stones kind of clustered together right 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 yeah, I mean, I thought the funniest person I thought was the dad who was already like, I think it's stupid to buy a ring, which yeah. I mean, he's kind of right in this situation where they don't right. have any money at all. Yes, buying a ring is dumb. And then he's like, wait, there were two rings? Who got all this money? Where is this coming from? <laughs> I know, David's probably so pissed. And on top of that, he's like, oh, gosh, I probably bought both these rings. <laughs> he probably did, right? But uh, – I'm also not surprised at the beginning where he was like, I think buying this ring is stupid, but I'm going to go help him pick it out anyway because I know how Emily can be. And I was like, yeah, we know that's what you do because we know that you, you – given the weight between Emily being annoying about not getting what she wants mm -hmm. versus not spending money you shouldn't be spending, you clearly always choose to give spend the money. Like you've done yeah. that. That's, where, that's how we got here. <sighs> this is where you went wrong, David. Right? Nip that in the bud, like way together. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it's, man, it's like she just gets worse every week. Like she's, she to be, really does. Like, yeah. It, it, there's, and there's a lot of bad people on this season, a lot of them. Yeah. You know, I think part of it too is just how she comes off. You know, like she just comes off so smug all yes. the time. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's not about anything that's like, Nice. It's like, hmm, I won my fight and got this big rock. Hmm. Isn't that oh, nice? Oh, I got money for the wedding. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, ugh. And she's like, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the only one who's working. So we're on these mattresses, which the mattress shopping was weird. Like, you don't need to do all that. <laughs> yeah. Plus, from what I recall, you all need a bigger mattress because you still have the kid. So I yeah. hope you're not doing that with the kid in between you. Right? I mean, I definitely thought that. They're like, they, 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 that was just taken as a given through the whole thing. Well, the three of us need to sleep in a bed. The three of us need to sleep in a bed. And I'm like, the whole time I'm thinking, no, the three of you don't need to sleep in a bed. No. 
we could we could we could rearrange something a different way and it would work out just fine just fine right but and also also like the way he was doing it and it was like it, you're not using the mattress at all like you're not testing the, the things you were doing on the bed were like I don't – you're like standing up. Like the mattress is not involved at all here. What are you doing? I know. All right. So moving on, I got Patrick and Thais. So Patrick and Thais have only been in Dallas for a few weeks, but they're already in need of a vacation to Vegas and they're leaving tomorrow. Now, this is the kind of surprise that Thais is really into and she's excited, thinks it's going to be pretty awesome. So we then get the uh, the – obligatory uh, Vegas strip montage before they get to whatever off-strip place that they're definitely staying for filming. And we find out that Patrick's little brother lives in Vegas. And Patrick actually lived in Vegas too when he was younger. Um, they lived there with his mom when she had a drug problem and stuff like that. It was, you know, a, a rough time. So Thais is taken in by all the lights and the showgirls walking up and down the street and Later that night, they go to visit um, his with his little brother, Matthew, who, um, you know, as I, like I said, was went through a lot of the tough stuff with Patrick. So they says they're pretty close. And Matthew's husband, Carlos. So he really wants one of his brothers to like Thais before they get married. So this is like the last chance. Somebody's got to like her. So Matthew quickly gets the conversation talking about Thais's father. And she blurts out about how she and he doesn't know that she and Patrick are getting married which Patrick didn't know, and this is not the right way to kind of let him in because now he's sitting there being like, well, I have to pretend like I knew that so just to not embarrass me in front of my brother. So he didn't want to have a fight about this dad thing in front of Matthew, so he waits until they're back into the car to bring it up again. She explains – she tries to explain that why she didn't tell her dad but instead kind of has her solution of just like, we'll just tell him after we're married because he's a jealous person. So Patrick thinks this is a terrible idea and then explains how, you know, if your dad doesn't know we're getting married, then he might kind of think this is like sex trafficking and <laughs> which he definitely already thinks. Oh, yeah. So sure. uh, and Patrick doesn't want to marry somebody who doesn't want their family to know that they're getting married. So then he brings up, well, maybe I can ask for your dad's blessing. And Thais is getting frustrated that she's like, no, you're not understanding this. I'm not telling him until we're married. <laughs> so now he's starting to get suspicious that maybe he's the one being deceived here. And she's just here for, you know, a fun sex-filled vacation. So the next day, they're ready to go out and walk the strip or do whatever. And um, she calls her dad, who she still is not going to tell about the upcoming wedding, which is making Patrick very angry and he, he doesn't want to let it go. So she's insistent that it'll be better if he knows like, hey, by the way, me and Patrick are married instead of me and Patrick are getting married. So he gets frustrated and storms out. She calls her dad and like the first thing he says is, so uh, when are you coming back? Are you coming back soon? Now? Like tomorrow? That'd be awesome. You should just come back as soon as you possibly can. So she says she doesn't like keeping secrets but thinks this one is the best way to work out. So later that day, they're riding around and, you know, Patrick doesn't know where they're going and Thais is like saying, turn right here and stuff like that. It's a surprise for Patrick. And the surprise is a drive through wedding chapel. So they get out of the car and she's really pushing for them to get married right now. It's Vegas. And she's like, it'll be classy, which no, but <laughs> um, he is not into it. It's like she thought it was romantic and like kind of a solution to all their problems, but he doesn't want to do this without his brothers, without his family. So she tries hard to convince him, but he wants a real wedding. And 
you know, that's where the title of the show comes from. This is how you marry a stripper. So yeah. I don't know. What do you think about this this play? Was it a, was it a good idea? Bad idea? Like just bad timing? What's up? Uh, bad idea because if the whole thing for Patrick is I don't want to get married without not even your father's blessing, but just for him knowing. And mm-hmm. then she's like, okay, let's get married now. It's like, how is that solving the problem? You got to solve the problem with uh, Patrick being upset that you're hiding him, not get married to him faster to somehow expedite like the whole telling your dad process. Oh, I, but I know what it, I know what was going through her head. And in her head, it was logically consistent. You're upset that my dad doesn't know. I yeah. don't want to tell him until we're married. So let's just get married now and then he'll know and our problems are solved. Done. Right. <laughs> but that's not really – I think she's missing the point. Sure. You know, and what he said actually, it just – he said, oh, it's just very immature of her to handle it like that. And I – it just really kind of clicked with me. You know, it's like, oh, she is 25 and she is behaving very childish about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, she – and the fact that she just doesn't it, – it's funny because they both acknowledge the problem with their dad is the same thing, right? Yeah. Is that – Whatever the situation is, he thinks that it's a weird, crazy, you know, sex trafficking thing. But she's there for right. – she's getting money. He's getting that. And then that's what's that's what's going on, right? And so he's like, get home as soon as possible. Like, this is dangerous. Get out of it. And they both, they both know that that's what dad thinks. Like, they, yes. they get there real quick. But she is just like – they just have different solutions to that. Like, he's like, if I tell him we're getting married – that's going to be way worse. He's going to take that. He's he's going to think it's worse. And Patrick is like, if you tell him after we're married, that's going to be way worse. They just really disagree <laughs> on which is a worse scenario here and like how to deal with this problem. And I mean, I think as a older person that Patrick is probably right. And the sooner yeah. you know this is a serious relationship in whatever format you can do it, like is better. But I think her bigger issue is she doesn't want to do it. She doesn't want to tell her dad until it's too late to change anything. This is already done. Well, yes, I agree with that because she did also say something that was odd to me, like almost like she had to ask her father permission. So Mm -hmm. she was just going to ask, you know, because she kind of thought about it as like, oh, no, he'll try to stop me or, you know, like I have to, he'll say no. And it's just like, y'all, you're an adult. Like, I get wanting your parents' approval, but as an adult, your parents' approval only is as important as you hold it. So if you decide, well, that's okay, I'm okay with not having the approval of my dad and I'm still going to go and marry, you know, Patrick, like that's your decision as an adult. You're not a kid anymore where you need your parents to sign off on like big adult things. Right. But that's when you're 25, it kind of feels like you still need that. Yeah. Right. And that's the difference between being 25 and never living on your own or whatever. And then being 30 or 35 and and having done this already for years is you do kind of feel you're not that far away from having to ask your parents permission for things. And most people, even when they're 25, are still pretty financially dependent on their – not most people. Many people are still pretty financially dependent on their parents and kind Mm -hmm. of need that approval that way, which is obviously not the situation here. She's pretty – Financially dependent on Patrick instead of uh, her oh, dad. Oh gosh! But yeah, 
If I were her dad, I would be like, oh, good. She's someone else's problem now. <laughs> right. I as mean, long as he treats you good, you know, it's like, okay, financially mooch off someone else now. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, I think it was just funny how many times she said things were classy. I was like, there's a lot of things in Vegas. And there, there are classy parts of Vegas, right? There are mm-hmm. things you can do in Vegas that are kind of classy. The drive-through chapel is not one of them. Oh, definitely <laughs> not, right? But she wouldn't know that necessarily unless she'd been inside. I don't think she had been inside. Mm, I feel like you can tell from the outside. <laughs> like, well, you know, the things that she was uh, amazed by probably – just lights. So just smack a bunch of lights onto that building. Right, which and, is funny because that's yeah. the, the, the classier things are in Vegas, the fewer lights they have in general. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. All right. Uh, let's talk about our last couple, uh, Benny and Ari. So Ari's feeling like Benny's life and her life just aren't going in the same direction with his dream of being an MMA fighter and her dream of just, you know, settling down. So she seeks advice from her ex-husband, Leandro. We were reminded that Ari told Leandro that he could have had a baby like Avi, but he missed out. Leandra has told her in the past that it would be best for Avi to stay, best for the baby, Avi, to stay, for the parents to stay together. Ari meets up with Leandra for lunch, and Benny joins them shortly after. Benny is convinced that Leandro has feelings for Ari, which makes him uncomfortable. Leandro asks about Benny's fight, which prompts a flashback of Leandro and Benny sparring in Ethiopia. Ari then brings up uh, that his other sparring partner is a woman, and Benny just forgot to tell her about it. her. Leandro says that he needs to communicate more, which is a mistake he has made in the past. Leandro thinks that Benny should pay more attention to Ari, otherwise their relationship will start to die. Ari then asks Leandro to join them in celebrating Ethiopian New Year, and Benny tries to hint that Leandro might be busy, but... Leandro doesn't take the hint and says that they're all family, so of course he'll be there, which upsets Benny. Benny tells us about Ethiopia New Year, which is in September this year. They get together for dinner at an Ethiopian restaurant, and all with Ari's family, including her sister and her parents. Janice is trying to make Leandro feel included by bringing up all the good Argentinian food she likes. Ari then does Gersha, which is feeding uh, elders, so she feeds her mom and dad, which is a sign of respect. Leandro says he's good feeding himself, but then he jumps at the chance to feed Leandro and gives him just a huge handful of food that he just kind of, you know, shoves in his mouth. Leandro is busy chewing as Janice jokes that Benny is trying to choke him again. Leandro just thought it was weird and wonders if Benny was trying to eliminate the competition. Janice asks what other things they do for New Year's, and Benny says, oh, they do things to make changes, as he, you know, gives a bunch of uh, examples. So then Janice decides to joke that he'll just start telling the truth now because that'll be a change. Benny looks annoyed as Leandro asks what kind of changes will be made in their relationship. Janice tries to broker a compromise uh, between Benny and Ari by saying that Benny should always tell the truth and Ari should promise not to yell at him. Ari then invites Leandro to go wedding dress shopping with her. Benny immediately doesn't like this idea. He doesn't think that Leandro should go because he may see her naked. And Leandro says that, of course, he'll go. Anything to support Ari. 
Okay, so Leandro says, you know, trying to eliminate the competition, like he sees himself as competition. Do you mm-hmm. think that was a Freudian slip, or is that Leandro? Uh, I think I think Leandro recognizes that Benny sees him as competition, whether he mm-hmm. whether Leandro sees himself as competition or not, right? But it does seem like she's like Ari is taking a special special steps to like really insert Leandro into it, right? Like I feel like she's using him kind of a lot. Like I feel like anytime she feels like um, Benny has something, you know, that's kind of distracting him, him from her and he's kind of like, you know, not focused on what he should be focused on. She's always like, oh, look, here's my ex-husband that I hang around with so that he has to like pay attention to her. Right. Get jealous and like come in. Yeah. I I just feel like that's kind of the weapon she unleashes when she wants to literally make him jealous and and worried. Like, why is he going dress shopping with her? Yeah, I agree. I definitely feel like it's trying to elicit some kind of response from Benny and like hoping that the jealousy will make him treat her better. Yeah. And yeah. And I agree. Like all of that is super bizarre. Like, your ex-husband, the one that you were married to the first time, should not be going wedding dress no. shopping for you. Okay, but even – even what even, world? Even back it up because she's like, my ex-husband, right? Yeah, the idea yeah. that I would go wedding dress shopping with my ex-wife is just crazy. Just yeah. beyond – like, I, I expect – I get along great with my ex-wife. I expect to, like – I expect to probably go to the wedding. I expect her to be like, oh, here's the dress I bought. Like, yeah. probably show it to me. To go to the shopping? No. Like, but then she's like, but he's also my best friend. And I was like, I probably wouldn't go wedding shopping with my best friend either. Right. Like, it would just, it's such a girly thing to do that I would feel like, uh, I'm this is I don't belong here. This is weird. <laughs> well, we also know how you feel about wedding dress shopping, too. You hate it. You hate these scenes of wedding dress shopping. It is I your do. least favorite thing. They are, but like, but part of it is because it's such a event that's like it just feels like I'm invading something that isn't mine because it's so woman-centered. Like they really, really make it big. And it is. People are like, you know, because sometimes they try on the dress and sometimes people are, oh, we'll do bridesmaids dresses too over here. And like people are changing there and like it's just – and there's other people there doing the same thing. And I'm like, well, let me not look at them. Their ass hanging out of the back of that dress over there. <laughs> like what am I doing here? Like, Right. Um, The only thing that I could really see this being a thing is like if your ex-husband was – really into fashion he really knew how to pick clothes or a stylist or something you know Uh that would somehow contribute positively rather than him just being there just to be there right because he's like gonna be in the wedding party or whatever right is another big pull (laughs) to have him in the wedding party even if even if it's like a best friend thing it's like I don't know if exes belong in the wedding party. <laughs> no, they don't belong in the wedding party. It's just like I don't understand like why she cares so much about his opinion on everything. Right. Right. And especially because they even talked about it earlier. When we get married, he picked out a dress. It was this horrible hot pink thing where my boobs were showing and it was like, so why do you want him involved in this dress? I'm very oh, confused. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It's like he doesn't even know what you like. Right. All of that is so ridiculous. Yeah. But I mean, Benny does do those. <laughs> he just always is good with those. Like, I obviously she was joking about like, oh, you try to choke him again. But mm-hmm. 
he did purposely give him too much food. It was like a little, a little bit of a, 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 a an aggressive attack. Like just oh, enough yeah. that it's like plausibly there. It's like, I'm not going to like shove it in your face and like punch you in the face when I do it, but I'm going to give you a little bit too much food. <laughs> I'm going to get a little bit uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. He definitely does passive aggressive very well. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, so we saw everyone this episode. Yes, everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, who would you say is your student of the week? Um, so my student of the week was Shida. Just okay. because I like the, that giving back. Oh, we have a prenup now? Well, there's some things I want in there. <laughs> like, yeah. Which is kind of the right way to handle the prenup conversation. Right. right? And you yeah. shouldn't be offended if somebody does that. Like, yes, if you need assurances, so do they. Why, why, are, why are you the only person that needs assurances if you introduce a prenup? That is very true. So my student of the week is that I went with Miona. Because she yeah. put up with a lot. She didn't overreact. I mean, she said that she wanted to cry, like, in the interview. Like, that's what she really felt. And she did a pretty good job of keeping it together. Um, and she wasn't wrong in saying that, you know, he shouldn't have involved his family in all this. hmm Yeah. 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 All right. What about your dunce? So, my dunce is Emily. Just, that was so stupid and yeah. so selfish. And just, at the end of the day, was just like, after all that... After she hurt him, after, you know, she relieved herself of the guilt, it, it put put the, you know, emotional baggage onto him. She's like, look at my two pretty rings. Oh, uh, like, I know that was really frustrating. Um, I actually went with Janice. I thought she was such the shit stirrer in this uh, episode. Sure. Yeah. You know, like she was like, oh, you're choking him. Oh, so you're going to stop lying? Like. Oh, Leandro, you know, like, we see you as family. We love Argentinian food. It's like, why? Why, Janice? Why? I did did love that part because Leandro was like, what? Argentinian food blows. What are you talking about? Yeah, and then she's, like, (laughs) naming all the stuff and just like, like, oh, my "Mm, gosh, Janice. Yeah. Leandro definitely did not get the memo. the Ethiopian food did look really good. I actually, like, looked up the local Ethiopian restaurant and be like, hey, maybe I'll get some Ethiopian food. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, Ethiopian places, like, in the DMV area. Yeah. Most of them are, like, in Montgomery County. Like, there's yeah. a there's a certain I, – I live in Koreatown. Like, I know where the Ethiopian part of town is <laughs> around, around D.C. Yeah. All right. Uh, what about your life lesson? Um, so – it's back to the 90 days and, you know, the 90 day window is a time to get married. So you shouldn't be shocked and alarmed that that's the expectation of one of the partners <laughs> is that at the end of these 90 days we'll be married. Like, oh, yeah. that's not – that's what's supposed to happen. It's not like an unreasonable expectation that right. when they came here on the fiancé visa, they expected to get married. Yeah. Okay. So my life lesson is for uh, Thais. It's like, if you're an adult, you don't need to ask permission from your parents, but it also doesn't mean that the alternative is to keeping a secret. Yeah. You know, there's something in between both of those things. And it's like, as an adult, you have to be mature enough to balance that. Yeah. But that comes with everybody. Everybody, We see a lot of people who are just, they know they need to say something and they're scared too. And so they don't. Yeah. That's a common theme in this show. Oh, gosh. Well, I'm pretty sure I've seen like a casting call to the show and one of the things is like do you have a secret from your partner or from your family so they're really into selling those secrets you know for the secret veal later on in the season yeah and it's funny because at this point like i was i was watching the show at the end of it when i was watching it my my daughter came out and she was like has there ever been like a normal couple and i was like yeah at the beginning there were lots of normal couples yes there definitely were were people we really liked and then 
Now there's not. Yeah, yeah. I guess we haven't had a um, uh, a couple that was like on a mission or something because you usually the religious couples like they tend to be very sweet people. Yeah, yeah. Well, when they it, it's it works out when they're the same religion. When yes. somebody's trying to convert the other one to the religion, then we then we get problems. Right, but actually, I take it back because Evelyn and David from Spain. They were kind of, oof. But they didn't meet on a mission. They met online. No, Dude. but didn't, oh, no, um, oh, wait. I was trying to think of, who was the guy, the lanky one who spoke Russian? That wasn't, but he learned Russian on the mission. He didn't meet her on the mission, right? Oh, yes. Uh, I know who you're talking about. Um, Alex? It's crazy. It's crazy how fast. No, no, no. That, uh, that one, that was a different one. That was, I'm thinking about the more recent one. Oh, gosh. Yes, I am vaguely remembering. Oh, the turkey. Oh, that guy, Stephen and Olga, or not yeah. Olga. Was it Olga? No. Stephen and someone. It was, yeah, it was Stephen and- Stephen and Olga were from Maryland. Yes, those are the ones for, they lived in Bowie. Yeah, oh, you're yeah. talking about the guy who whored himself around and had threesomes and stuff yes, and pretended to be Mormon. Yeah. yeah. I hate that guy. He, I thought he was Stephen too. He is Stephen, but his partner wasn't Olga. No, but she had Alina, Alina. Stephen and Alina. Yes, it was both. It was both reused names. Like it was so confusing. Oh yes. my gosh, I know. Okay, I take it back. They were not a. <laughs> it sweet was just that season. What was the season couple. two couple that was good? There was the one good because she was from South Africa. Yes, Danny and Amy. Yes, Danny uh, and Amy. Josh and oh, uh, Alex, maybe. No, but didn't okay, but didn't she end up having a baby that wasn't his? <laughs> <laughs> well, speculation goes yes. Uh, but they're still a sweet couple, and that happened, like, after, right. you know, their right. season. But yeah. at least their season, they were wholesome. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and sweet. Yeah. And then you've got Kirlim and Alan. Right, so. right, right. Yeah, there are a few. Pro- more so them than anyone else, you know? Yeah, that's true. All right. Okay, so uh, we will be back uh, next week with, I think, right? They're still airing this, even though 4th of July is on Monday. Yeah, but that's going to... You know, yeah, so we call, might release call. on Tuesday again because <laughs> Fourth of July. Problems again, yeah, yeah, I know, right? Oh goodness, uh, yeah. So uh, I would say let's temper our expectations. We will be back this time next week, so on a Tuesday. All right, sounds good. All right, until then. All right, see you, buddy. Then. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.